You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. Discipleship is about following Jesus. Know more about this truth in this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Today we are starting a brand new series entitled Simple. Everybody say Simple. And this really is the heart of our church and ministry. Basically, we are coming from what Jesus has told His disciples when He left earth, the very last words that uh, came out of His mouth was, Go and make disciples of all nations. And maybe you're here and you've been attending our church for several years and you are familiar with our mission and vision. We actually have a twofold vision. We always say here in the pulpit, uh, we say we honor God and we make disciples. In fact, uh, we took a whole chunk of uh, January basically talking about the first part of our vision, honoring God. And how many of you learned something uh, about honoring God? Okay, That we honor God from our hearts, right? Remember that uh, series? Good morning. <laughs> it just happened last month, okay? Uh, we honor God from our hearts, and then we honor God with our bodies, we honor God with our wealth, and we honor God through our service. And then, we, of course, we uh, took a slight uh, detour uh, by talking about the three-letter word, okay? God, okay? We talked about God uh, and His plan for sex. And then uh, today we are... We are uh, looking at four weeks of talking about discipleship, basically this really is the heart of our ministry. Basically what we're saying is discipleship is simple. Everybody say simple. And so we are just so uh, glad that in the next four weeks, we are going to review, uh, dig deeper in what discipleship is all about. Basically, uh, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I realize that when you uh, talk about discipleship, discipleship can actually mean different things to different people. But when you talk about discipleship, uh, as we have said uh, you know, in previous teachings, and probably you are you know, familiar with all our teaching, discipleship is all about three Fs. Everybody say three Fs. Okay, fun, food, and fellowship. No, 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 it's just that, okay? It's part of that, but it's all about following Jesus. Everybody say following Jesus. It's about fishing for men, and it's all about fellowshing with believers. Okay, so those are the things we're going to be looking at in the next three weeks. Unpack that. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to fish for men? And what does it mean to fellowship with believers? And the last week, we're going to talk about the discipleship journey. We're going to talk about the four E's and what that means for everyone uh, that's attending our church. You know, one of our desires is really to help even other churches um, you know, in the area of discipleship. There's a reason why... Many times, some of our pastors go out in uh, not just in every nation churches, but even outside, outside every nation to basically teach on discipleship. Somehow, God has given us a mandate, a stewardship for this particular um, word. Okay, somehow we we want to uh, really, really just follow the Lord Jesus when He said, "Go and make disciples of all nations." So. It's going to be a journey for us for the next four weeks. We're going to be looking at this uh, four Fs, okay? Or three Fs, rather. So discipleship is not easy, but it's simple. There's a cost to discipleship. How many of you know that salvation is free? You know, we, we come to church and, um, you know, we enjoy our time of worship. But ultimately, when you talk about our salvation, what Jesus Christ has purchased for us on the cross 
us by merely trusting what Jesus Christ did qualifies us to go to heaven. Amen. You cannot add to that. How many of you know that Jesus plus nothing equals everything? There's nothing we can add to the, you know, to the salvation, to the gospel that Jesus Christ has given us. You know, once Jesus Christ has set you free, guess what? You are free indeed. Look at the person beside you. Tell that person, you are free. And tell the other person, indeed. Indeed, right? Indeed. So we are free indeed. We are actually receiving this gift of salvation because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The fact that he said, it is finished. That is the gospel, the good news. That you don't have to perform or to do something to add on to that. You don't have to, you know, to, to, uh, to do good things, to, to earn salvation. We know that. But then when you talk about discipleship, how many of you know discipleship can actually cost you a lot? Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost us everything. Pastor, that's the reality, guys. And there are demands when Jesus said that, you know, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He actually said that if anyone follows me, he should actually take up his cross daily. Everybody say daily. That includes Sunday, right? And Monday to Saturday and back to Sunday. Take up his cross daily and follow me. When you talk about the cross, the cross actually means death. Cross is actually a picture of death. In the first century Jerusalem, when, you, when they see somebody carrying the cross, it is not a door-to-door cross salesman selling crosses. It is actually a man on his way to death because he's carrying the cross. Maybe he's a criminal. Maybe he's someone who's been proven guilty of a crime is done. And yet, you know, um, the same way that Jesus Christ died on that cross is, is proof that when you talk about a cross, it means death. And this is exactly what Jesus is asking his disciples to do. When you talk about disciple, a disciple is a follower. How many followers do we have in this place? How many disciples do we have in this? Right. You cannot enjoy salvation unless we are followers of Jesus. It's not like going to the buffet of Akasi Hotel, for example. And, uh, you know, I know that they're renovating right now. You know, you go to the ground floor right now and you see all this widespread of food. And then you go to the first, uh, you know, uh, shaping dish and you see vegetables. I don't like vegetables. I move on to the next. And then you see chicken. Okay, I like chicken. And then you see pork. Oh, I love, I love pork, okay? Give me four servings of pork, okay? And then uh, you go on to the next. And then you move on to the, you know, uh, the soup. I don't like soup. I don't like this thing. And, you know, it's, it's not like that. You know, salvation, it's an all around, it's an all, everything in a thing. You know, it's, it's, you take one, you take the whole thing. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot just enjoy salvation and say discipleship is not for me. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to follow the Lord and, you know, have the cost of discipleship that comes with it. How many of you know when you talk about salvation and when you talk about us following Jesus, it will require us to pick up our cross daily and follow Him. Amen. In fact, the overarching uh, theme or um, verse for this four weeks, this is not just a text for today, but some of this summarizes it. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. 
and I will make you, or I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately, I was immediately. There is a sense of urgency in following Jesus. In fact, Jesus said that if anyone would come follow me, you know, the decision that we need to make in following Christ should have urgency. That's why when he called his first disciples, immediately they left whatever they were doing and followed the Lord. They didn't tell the Lord, Oh Lord, can you give me maybe a 12-month installment of following you? Maybe I'll follow you first month, you know, I'll probably leave, you know, maybe some uh, obligations here. Maybe second month, uh, you know, another obligation there. No, but actually Jesus is requiring for us and expecting of us to actually leave everything behind immediately to go and follow Him. In the book of Pastor Steve entitled uh, Wiki Church, he actually um, told a story about his, when, when his young three boys were younger, uh, of course, now two of, two of them are married. But when they were younger and they were playing tennis while they were here in the Philippines, uh, they actually uh, had a coach, the boys. And the coach, the tennis coach, would always say, uh, you know, same old boring strokes. Basically, he would always say this uh, mantra, something like a mantra, that in order for you to become good in tennis, you have to do these same old boring strokes. And what are those boring strokes? The tennis coach is always telling them, you take your racket, ice on the ball, and you go up, down, and then up. Everybody say up, down, up. You do it maybe a thousand times every day. Up, down, up. And that's the same old boring strokes that was taught them as they were playing tennis. So it's kind of like this picture, you know, this, uh, you know, up, down, up. Of course, eyes on the... How many of you play tennis? Uh, how many of you love watching tennis? How, you, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay, uh, Tennis is actually a sport for two people, sometimes four. There's a net in between and there's a yellow ball that bounces back and forth. Okay, So up, down, up. From the back, it actually looks like this. Up, down, up. Everybody say up, up. down, up. If it becomes a part of you, and you do this every day, it becomes culture. You master the game, and hopefully you become like Federer. And that's what he did for many, many years when he was a young boy, up, down, up. He mastered the art of playing gracefully and actually doing the top spin. Up, down, up. Same old boring strokes. It's kind of like, Watching the Karate Kid when Mr. Miyagi was teaching, you know, uh, the old Karate Kid, okay? The original, the best one back in the 80s. Come on. When Ralph Macchio was actually being taught by Mr. Miyagi. And what he was telling this young man was, Oh, you want to learn Kung Fu? All you have to do is uh, wax in, wax out. Everybody say, wax in. Walks out. And so exactly every single day, this young man was, you know, washing the car and waxing the car, walks in, walks out. And then one day he said, I'm tired of waxing in, waxing out. Okay, now you do, you know, paint up, paint down, paint up, paint down. What he did not realize was as he was doing the same old boring strokes, it became a part of his life. And when Mr. Miyagi did the moves, you know, just naturally, 
the karate kid just did walks in walks out you know it's it's almost like it's natural for him because he's kind of used to that move same old boring strokes pastor I'm tired of your church talking about discipleship year in and year out walks in walks out paint up paint down and if unless we do it unless it becomes a part of our lives I don't think we're getting it because discipleship is not just for full-time people look at the person beside you and tell that person that includes you it includes all of us. When Jesus left earth, he said one of the most important things to the church, not to the full-time ministers. He told his disciples, the 500, not just the 12, not just the 72, but everybody there who was watching him go up to heaven, he said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This command is so important, it still resonates in our hearts as if Jesus just left earth yesterday. It is so important for us to realize that when Jesus tells us a command, He is expecting us to fill the earth with God's glory. The same command that he told, he told Adam back in the garden. Remember Adam back in the garden? We talked about that, right? And, you know, we talked about that God created man and woman. You know, in his own image, he created them. And then he gave them this command, rule the earth, fill the earth, subdue the earth. That is the same command he is telling the disciples before he left. What he's saying is, disciple the nations, rule the earth, fill the earth with your glory. Whatever you have, whatever gospel message you have, I want you to go and share it to the people around you. Be a blessing wherever you are. Don't just stay in church. Go out. You know, it's nice to be in church. I love church. I love Christians. How many of you love Christians? I love Christians. I married one. Praise God. I love Christians. I'm working with Christians. Praise God. Your pastors are Christians, by the way. How many of you are glad, right? Maybe we love Christians, but yet God is calling us to go out of our comfort zone and meet people out there in the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Because how many of you know that salvation is not just for us? It's for people outside these walls. Amen. And I remember Steve said this, Pastor Steve, as long as there is someone who is not yet a believer in the streets of Metro Manila, our church is not big enough. What he's saying is not to have a big church. What he's saying is to go out there and reach out to people, those who are not yet saved, to share the gospel to them because they too need to hear the message of salvation. Amen. And that's the very heart of Christ. Discipleship is supposed to be simple. It has to be a part of our life. Up, down, up. Walks in, walks out, paint up, paint down. My question for us this morning is, 
Is it a part of our life? Or is it one of those priorities or things that maybe we can do this week if we have time? Or is it really coming out because it is born out of the command of God for all of us? Let's all stand up right now. I'd like to read our text this morning. We'd like to stand at attention and give proper respect to the Word of God as we read it. In fact, I invite everyone to read this out loud as uh, we do this weekly. Let it be a public reading of the Scriptures. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But, the, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's bow our and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Bless the preaching of your word. We want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity for us to be called disciples of Jesus, followers of Christ. Lord, help us to understand what this means and the cost that we need to count to follow you. Bless Lord, your preaching, Lord, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. You know, this particular verses that we have read from verse 57 to 62 basically talks about following Jesus. In three different accounts, there are three people who went to Jesus and have asked Him, Lord, we want to follow you. But in each case, there's almost like a condition for them before they want to follow the Lord. And if you come to think about each person and each condition, it seems like each condition is valid, right? I mean, if you have somebody who died in your family, wouldn't you bury that dead person in your family, right? But that Jesus, interestingly, has actually said things to emphasize the cost of following Jesus. You know, all of us follow somebody, right? We all follow somebody. You know, as we said uh, you know, in the previous messages, you know, if you have a Facebook account or maybe an Instagram, Instagram or Twitter account, that means you're following somebody. You're either following a friend or a family member or a celebrity. You know, you, you, you know my wife is following like, you know, like chefs or something like that. You know, we're all following somebody. Um, you know, Pastor Chico, I believe, is following his children and following MMA uh, personalities. You know, you always see that in his uh, comments. But we follow somebody. You know, but what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow? You know, we've, we've heard of the sad news, of course, two weeks ago uh, about this fallen 44 soldiers who went to Mama Sapano and did an operation. Somehow the operation was a bit, you know, blinded because uh, not everyone was informed. Those who are supposed to be informed were not informed. And 
apparently they were following, you know, somebody who was not supposed to be followed because he was a suspended officer. So somehow there was a, you know, a, a breakage in the chain of commands. It was not clear. So in other words, the point is we need to be careful who we follow. Amen. It, because we follow somebody who would lead us to the right path. We follow somebody who would actually take us from this point to the, the end point and make sure that, that the journey, though sometimes it may not be easy, ultimately, He will take us there from this side to that side. Amen. And when you talk about following Jesus, I believe that He did not really promise us a, you know, a walk in the park. He didn't really promise us a super comfortable, rich, affluent life. Although that would be nice. Some of you are called to do that, to reach the, you know, the marketplace. And that's fine. You, know, you don't have to be condemned if you are in that particular position. But many times, but I realize that even if you are rich or if you are affluent, there are challenges that you face every day. You know, talk about your business or maybe your family or even your own personal life. We all go through life and have cost in following Jesus. But ultimately, we are to follow God and we are to follow Jesus no matter what. What does it mean to follow Jesus? I have three things to talk about here this morning and this is what we've seen from the text. Basically, some people follow Him, you know, like back in the day when the disciples were following Him Jesus became a very popular figure. Of course, they were hoping that Jesus would be the one to lead them out of the Roman occupation. Of course, Jerusalem at that time was occupied by the Roman Empire. And they were hoping that this king, because he was prophesied that there's a king that will rise up who will lead the people of Israel from darkness to light. They did not realize that what was being prophesied was actually a spiritual kingdom more than a political kingdom. And so they were looking at Jesus to be this political leader to lead them. And can you imagine when they were seeing the first ministry of Jesus, Jesus was healing the sick. He multiplied the bread and fed 5,000 on one occasion. The other occasion, he fed 4,000 men, not counting women and children. And they were saying, if this person becomes the president, wow, we would be in good hands. How many of you know that if, you know, in 2016, if the president can multiply bread and money and give it to the people, how many of you know that would be a nice president, right? So they were looking at Jesus to be that political figure. Thus, they started following him. They followed Jesus for the, for the wrong reasons. They were following Jesus because I can get something out of Him more than what we could give to Him. And Jesus basically clarified, Hey guys, if you want to follow me, you know, foxes have holes and birds have nests. I don't even have a pillow on my head. Are you sure that you want to follow me? But we've seen you, Lord. We've seen you multiply the, the five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000. It's amazing. And Jesus can do that anytime. How many of you know that? But He did not do that just to fill our stomach because it ultimately wants, what He wants to fill is our spiritual food. Our souls, our spirit. He wants to feed our spirit. 
by basically offering us eternal life. Following Jesus, what does it mean for during that time? They got their needs met. They were fed. They were healed. You know, they, you know Jesus was talking about nice things, wisdom coming from Him, you know, refuting the, the Pharisees and the scribes and Sadducees. And, you know, they liked that. They were tired of this religious system that the, the Pharisees were putting on them. And so somehow they've seen something in the Lord Jesus. That's why they started following Him. But then Jesus clarified, if you're following me, number one, you've got to count the cost. Everybody say, count the cost. You know, before we make a decision for anything, we have to count the cost. Amen. How many of you have actually built a house uh, on your own? I mean, for, for your family. How many of you have built that? You, you own your house. Please raise your hand. You know, when you built that home, how many of you first counted the cost? Before you start meeting with the architect and the contractor, did you just go to Home Depot and said, we're going to build a home tomorrow. Let's just do it. You know, and you know, you know, you see your house like half done. You have a roof, but there's no window. It's not painted. You know, it's because maybe because you did not count the cost. And we've seen houses like that. Maybe the owner did not count the cost before he started this. And we've seen Jesus say a parable on that or a story that, you know, who among you, if you are about to build, will not sit down first and count the cost? Who among you, if you're going to go out to war, will not sit down first and plan out an operation and before you go to war and count the cost? When you talk about discipleship, discipleship requires us counting the cost. And this is the problem with the first man who approached Jesus. Lord, I want to follow you. You know, he was just so zealous, you know, I'm so excited, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be called Christian. I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. But the, did he really understand what that means? You know, as they were going along, he said, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. You know, before you follow somebody, make sure that you know where you're going. Make sure you know where you're headed, Right? Because if you don't know where you're going, it's like a blind man leading another blind man. You may both fall into a cliff. But then when, when this guy was talking about, Lord, we want to follow you, we want to go where you're going. Okay. What does this mean? Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You know, we've probably read this story in Matthew chapter 6 about, you know, God taking care of His children. And Jesus used parables about, you know, you know, the Heavenly Father caring for His children. And Jesus said, look at the birds. You know, the birds don't even toil, but yet the Heavenly Father takes care of them. Remember that parable? Didn't you take, you know, comfort that when Jesus said that to his disciples, that's why he's saying, do not worry. Everybody say, not worry. Do not worry. Because Jesus and the Heavenly Father will take care of us. He said, look at the birds. He said, look at the flowers in the field. You know, they don't even work and yet they are clothed with a splendor better than Solomon. He was talking about that particular picture that God will take care of us. Amen. But yet, in this particular case, what he's saying is, guys, guess what? Sometimes the birds 
have even a better deal with the Father than us. What this is saying is, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. In Tagalog, buti pa sila. What Jesus is saying, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay His head. What He's saying is, there is a sacrifice involved in following me. The whole question for us is, are we willing to pay the price to follow Jesus? Somebody once said, if you are willing to follow Him anywhere, then you might find out that you have a place nowhere. The Son of Man has nowhere to place His head on. Are we willing to go that far with Jesus? This is not really an exciting preaching this morning, Pastor Saul. But this is the message that Jesus said. That if we are to follow Him, that we are to count the cost and follow Him. And guess what? It is worth following Jesus. Amen. What we're promising you is not an easy path, but it is a path that is all worth it. People have actually sacrificed for this gospel that we are enjoying. We are sitting here in the 21st century, you know, February 22, 2015, enjoying this nice ballroom with digital Bibles on our laps, reading different versions of the book. You have ESV, NIV, you know, NLT, and all the other versions, enjoying reading what we don't realize is that there were men and women in the past who have paid their dear lives to make sure that we have this freedom and this benefit of enjoying the scripture that we have today. People pay the price. The question for us today is not really to go out there and be killed, you know, to give your life, go to Iraq or Afghanistan or maybe in Mama Sapano, you know, offer your life. If you're called to be a missionary, then go do it. But what does it mean for us, regular folks, working in a bank, working in a call center, students going to school, housewives taking care of kids, what does that mean for us? It simply means that we are willing to give up everything for the sake of the gospel. Amen. If Jesus calls us, what we're saying is, Lord, we're ready to go. And guess what? No one, you know, not many of us will be called to full-time ministry or to missions. But all of us are called to be disciples and followers of Jesus. Amen. All of us are paying the same sacrifice and the same price. No matter what vocation you have and no matter what's written on your calling card, you are called to pay the same price as our missionaries in Israel. We've sent out Pastor Lito and Ellen Moldes in Israel right now. And they are there discipling young Jewish believers, risking their lives. They don't know if, you know, the, you know, if one day their place will be exploding. They don't know, but they're willing to count the cost. They're willing to pay the price. We're also called to pay the price. First Peter chapter 2, verse 20, it says, For what credit is it? When you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. 
You know, some people suffer because of the wrong things they do. Some criminals are in prison because of the crime that they have committed. They suffer for that. But the Bible says, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. If we're suffering for the gospel, if we're suffering for our calling, if we're suffering for the fact that we have been called to follow Jesus, it is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Amen. In verse 21, For to this you have been called, because Christ, what? Also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might what? How many of us are willing to follow the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ, even in this area of suffering? Following Jesus will cost us. Salvation is free. But definitely, while we are still here on earth, we don't belong here. We're just passing through. Amen. We're passing through. We are of the world, or from the world, but we are not of this world. We are actually just passing through. We belong to another world. And we are citizens of heaven. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 30, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. In other words, if you're suffering for the gospel, don't be surprised anymore. Don't be shocked. Lord, don't you care? He cares. And that's His will if you're going through that. In verse 13, But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. When His glory is revealed. Next point, we need to put Jesus first. We need to prioritize Him in our daily walk. In fact, we see that in verse 59. Another, He said, follow me. But He said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. How many of you know there's nothing wrong with the statement of this man? I mean, if you have a you know, dead family member, don't you have the obligation to bury that family member first? But somehow Jesus is actually revealing the motive of this man that ultimately you're just making an excuse. Jesus is not actually telling us to abandon our family. That's not the point. In fact, in another you know, uh, or epistle, the Apostle Paul was saying, he who does not take, of his, take care of his own household is worse than an unbeliever. So Jesus, God himself, is telling us, take care of our family. What this verse is talking about is our priorities. That there is nothing that should be above the priority of following Jesus, not even in the area of family. Amen. Our family, no matter how close we are to them, they are actually just second in terms of priority when it comes to our priority of Christ. The man said, Lord, let me first. You know, this is so ironic because you're saying Lord, but then you say, let me first. When you talk about Lordship, Lordship means you are first. You know, he's actually contradicting himself by saying, Lord, let me first. I mean, how can you say Lord to the Lord if you're saying, I will do it first, my way? How many of you know it's not my way or our way, it's God's way? 
We need to put God first in the area of priority. Following Jesus basically means no excuses. Everybody say no excuses. No excuses. In Matthew 4, 19 to 22, here we can see the immediacy and the urgency of our following to Jesus. The first two sets of disciples, Andrew and Peter, James and John were called the first disciples and immediately they followed him when Jesus said to follow him. Verse 18, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he said, or he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, I was immediately. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, the, the next verse, it says, On going from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the beloved, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, his fa their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Can you imagine? While they were with their father Zebedee, Jesus walked in their midst and called them out to leave whatever it is that they were doing to follow Jesus. He called them. And it says in verse 22, immediately. Everybody say immediately. In these two accounts, two brothers, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, they were fishermen. And immediately they left their nets and their fishing business and went on to follow Jesus. God wants us to have a sense of urgency in following Him. We can postpone it tomorrow because the harvest is now. Amen. And my last point as I come to a close is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means giving our total commitment. Everybody say total commitment. We cannot have an installment. Now sometimes we say to the Lord, Lord, I give you my life. And we're referring to the 99% of the ones we have actually surrendered to the altar. But yet there is 1% that we are actually keeping behind our backs. Guess what? God is not interested in the 99. He is interested in that 1% that you are keeping behind you. It requires total, absolute, 100% commitment to follow Jesus. And here we can see in verse 61, it says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first. Here we go again. He said, Lord, and then he said, let me first say farewell to those at my home. In other words, what Jesus is pointing at is this. If you're saying that you're following the Lord, if you're saying that we are followers of Jesus, then He ought to be our family, uh, our top priority over our families. And we need to just give total commitment to Him. No holding back. No holds barred. 100%. What does that entail for us? You know, one of my friends who's now a, you know, a missionary in the U.S., basically when he was a young believer, um, you know, his parents were actually against his going to church and accepting the Lord Jesus Christ or actually becoming a Christian because they were really close Catholics. And when his dad found out he became a Christian, basically his dad told him, you have a choice. Either you go back to our religion or you get out of this house. 
And he was about, I don't know, maybe he was about 20 at that time. He made a choice. And he told his dad politely and lovingly and respectfully, Dad, I love you, but I love Jesus more. And I'm willing to be kicked out of this house to follow Jesus. This happened back in the 80s. He was kicked out of the house and lived for two weeks in another friend's house. What happened in that two weeks was basically his whole family started missing him because he was the eldest in the home. He was the kuya. And he was like the example for the, the siblings. And then his dad called him. I want you to come to the house right now. Come back. And he said, Dad, I can't, you know, uh, I can't recant on my walk with God. I'm still a follower of Jesus and I'm a Christian. And his dad said, okay, it's okay. Just come back to the house. And what happened was that whole family started getting saved, starting from the mom and the dad. And all the siblings became Christians and now they're all serving the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Because this man stood up for his faith, he made a point that he will not let his family to be on top of his priority with Christ. He gave 100% total commitment to that. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. God is calling us to move forward in our walk with God. Amen. How many of you ever thought about this? That you, whenever you drive, you notice there are two mirrors. There's one small mirror that's called the rear view mirror. And there's a bigger mirror called the, the windshield. Why is it that the windshield is bigger than the rear view mirror? Because it is designed for us to always look forward, not backward. And in our walk with the Lord, our walk with Him is designed to always go forward and never to look back anymore that we need to burn our bridges. As I end, I want to call the music team to join me here on stage. You probably heard me say this last story that talks about, you know, giving of ourselves, our full cost of discipleship. You know, there's these two children playing in the playground, a boy and a girl. They, they actually are good friends. And one day, the boy was just so proud of his bag of marbles. He was playing with his marbles. And the girl was so excited because he came from, his, from her house bringing a bag of candies. And the two of them met in the park one day and they said, tomorrow, can we just do an exchange? The boy proposed that, can I exchange my bag of marbles for your bag of candies? And call it, call it quits. They both went home that evening and the boy looked at his bag of marbles and he said, these are my favorite marbles. But I so love those candies. And I want to have those candies. So what he did was he chose his top three marbles from the bag. He said, she will never find out. The next day they met, they did an exchange. The girl got the marbles from the boy and the boy got the, three, the bag of candies from the girl. They went back home and the girl was so happy playing with her marbles. This is a new toy that she has. She was so excited and she slept just embracing this bag of marbles. Back in the boy's home, the boy could not enjoy the bag of candies because he was wondering what kind of candy did the girl take out from this bag before she gave me this bag. But the reality of it all 
is she gave everything in it. She did not withhold anything. But because the boy was withholding something from the girl, she thought she, he was being shortchanged. You know, that is the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ gave his all to us. Amen. He gave the entire bag of candies to us, if that is actually part of the illustration. And what are we to give him? A bag of old, dusty, you know, uh, broken marbles. And many times we have chosen the best marbles. We think they're the best. But in reality, they're worth nothing compared to what Jesus Christ has given us. Amen. Can we just bow our heads right now? Thank you, Lord. Father, we just want to thank you for what you have given to us. If you are here today and what you're saying is, Lord, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to give you 100% of my life. I want to start walking for you and declaring you in my school, in my office, in my home. I want to count the cost. I want to give you 100% and will never hold anything back. I want you to raise up your hand right now as a sign of surrender. If you're saying, Lord Jesus, I surrender to you my life afresh. And this may be all of us. As disciples of Jesus, what we're saying is, Lord, I want to follow you afresh. I want to count the cost. And I want to give to you my entire life. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.